Hello everyone, I'm so grateful that you're here. The Brush is a lounge for women, a place where we share conversations about our brushes with love, life, and everything in between. I'm Monique Walker, welcome to The Brush. Coming up, relationship means more than one person. I have invited husband and wife, Iyana and Aise Mayat to our show. Everybody, she is a licensed psychotherapist and clinical social worker and certified marriage and relationship educator specializing in couples and family work in the state of Maryland and the District of Columbia. He is a certified functional family therapist and licensed graduate social worker, also a certified marriage and relationship educator, specializing in couples and family work. Now get this, everybody. They are high school sweethearts and have been together for 24 years and married for 17 my conversation today, and we're talking about relationships. We're talking about sexless relationships. People so associate sex with love and that it, I mean, they, they work in conjunction with each other, but I mean, how do you, how do you fix that? Because sometimes the expectation is, and it depends on how you grew up and how you learned about what love is and how you learned about what sex is and how you learned about what intimacy is, you know, that, that is, that is what you take with you when you enter into a covenant with somebody or even in just a committed relationship period. Um, you know, because people can have sex and not be in love at all. So how do you break all of this down so that people have a good understanding of the three. Yeah. So what I would say is that when it comes to let's, let's look at love first. So um, when it comes to love, um, love is really, um, it's really an act. It's an act of doing, giving and being and seeking nothing in return. Mm. And so I think that the best um, example of love or a loving relationship, and it, again, it's not, I can't categorically say in all situations, but in most situations, um, the best example of love is the relationship between a mother and their child. Um, you know, you're giving, you're extending, um, you're, you're engaging, and you're seeking nothing in return. So there's an outpouring of um, compassion, of, mm -hmm. connect, of compassion, support, genuineness, um, because you are truly invested in the best um, or seeing the best from and of that person. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to intimacy, the difference is that um, intimacy is about more so an exchange. So it's about the giving and it's about the pouring, but it's also about the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So intimacy is when there's an opening up. Um, not only are you giving or extending yourself to, to engage the other person, but you're also opening it up um, to allow the other person to see you. And so mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we break the word intimacy down and into me, you see. Um, and mm -hmm. so there's a sense of vulnerability where I'm giving you permission to see me as I extend myself to see you. Mm. Um, and so, and then sex, um, the sex piece is, is physical. Um, the sex is about the physical, biological, hormonal, um, release exchange. Um, and in some elements, if you have those other components like the love and the intimacy, there's a sense of synchronicity that occurs with sex, but sex is the pure physical act of 
um, of exchange, um, mm-hmm. of, of joining, and um, of combining, and in most instances, if you're doing it right, of growing. Mm. And, and, and so cu- couples oftentimes have to really kind of start to look at their own relationships and ask themselves, you know, have we been making love? Are we mm. intimate with one another? Or have mm. we been having sex? Um, mm. You know, how was how it to begin with? Because there are lots of folks who, um, who are having sex um, and they love one another, but they're not necessarily being intimate. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of really showing themselves, um, giving themselves, opening up their hearts, being vulnerable when they're um, having sex. And so those are those deeper um, kinds of needs that all human beings have. But mm-hmm. oftentimes we're not aware. We're just not aware. So when, when there's a disconnect sexually and people stop, um, you know, for women, oftentimes they'll talk about not feeling um, safe in the bedroom, feeling seen, or feeling um, as though um, their their husband or or partner is really um, taking their time with them, um, doing an emotional piece with them, and connecting in, and then mm-hmm. it just feels like a physical act. It's too rushed. It's too this. It's too that. Um, and and so you know when you have those kinds of misses, um, mm-hmm. then you don't really have the ability to make sure that your intimacy um, is growing just as much as. Um, your sex life is moving, and then and and it's not a win-win situation. So people can just put it down, and that's the dangerous danger zone that folks can find themselves in. Wow, that kind of you know, uh, I'm thinking about the color purple scene with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Danny Glover. You know, intimacy mm-hmm. brings something totally different to making love, whereas you know, having sex doesn't require any kind of connection. And so when you find this this type of situation in a relationship and you're now committed in this relationship, how do you how how do you help the the having sex partner to to understand the desire of the making love partner? How do you bring the how do you how do you how do you teach that or how do you help them to find find something, you know, uh, that they both can share in? Yeah, so this is this is the heart of this this piece right here. We found to be really helpful for um, couples in sexless um, marriages or relationships, but not just with regards to sex. Um, just with like major disconnects, where folks are just not getting one another, and they keep mm-hmm. seeming to um, be in a place where they're passing each other. And that's mm-hmm. really to focus on um, the unmet need. And mm-hmm. the unmet need is um, this thing that is a powerful question for a person to ask of of themselves um, and certainly of their partner when there are major disconnects. And unmet needs are emotional. Um, They are not tasks. They're not to-do lists. They're not, you know, say it like this. It's none of that. It's all an emotional um, piece. And so Mm -hmm. for, um, if if I give an example, in terms of um, let's just look at a, a, a hypothetical situation where a couple is, you know, having a hard time coming together um, in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there, there's often been a complaint by many, many um, partners, and it typically is men just based on um, the society that we live in, that, you know, my wife does not initiate. I'm always mm-hmm. having to be the one to go get it to initiate it, to suggest it, to put myself out there. You know, mm-hmm. if I never said anything, I don't know if he would ever do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard many women say, 
well, I, I don't even know any other way. Like, I, that's just always how it's been. And it doesn't even seem right for me to go and be trying to, you know, I might flirt with him a little bit, but I'm not going to go and try to start something. Like, that's culturally, um, that's just not been um, the, the woman's experience. And so what can happen in that situation over time is that uh, because of this unmet need that the man has, and a woman, the woman in the situation may think, oh, the unmet need is you want me to initiate, um, you want me to start doing it, you know, start something. I'm here when you come, I'm giving it to you. I mean, you can't have it all like you want it, but that's mm-hmm. not really the unmet need. Perhaps mm-hmm. for the for the partner, for the husband or the man, the unmet need is that he wants to feel loved, mm-hmm. that he wants to feel needed, right? These mm-hmm. are emotional needs. He wants mm-hmm. to feel desired. And mm-hmm. so if that's an emotional need, because it's always an emotional piece, then it's not that he's not getting the initiation, but that's how um, he, well, that's what he's ascribing to that. And so Mm -hmm. the question we say to folks is figure out what the unmet need is. It's never about the actual act or about the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I, early on, we talked a lot uh, uh, very transparently about, um, you know, these, these, these communication challenges we would have. And my husband would say all the time, you're so disrespectful. (laughs) I'd be like, what? What, is, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, what in the world? And then, you know, I went through a phase of like, oh, because I'm expressive and I, you know, I, you know, I tell people what I think and you're not going to be confused and, you know, and that kind of thing. So now I'm disrespectful. Like, what do you want me to be? Some, you know, submissive. I mean, I went through all kinds of stuff. Mm. And what what I recognized over time is that it, it was a there was a need that he had to to feel respected. No, mm-hmm. I don't think I was doing anything to be well. Sometimes I might have been. Let me be real. But <laughs> by by and large, I, I don't think I was regularly disrespecting him. But the, my energy, the way that I came at him, um, mm-hmm. felt that way to him. So I needed to feel heard. That was my need. My unmet need is I need mm-hmm. you to hear me. His unmet need is I need you to respect me. So as soon mm-hmm. as I stopped focusing on the issue or what the situation was, and I focused mm-hmm. on how do I make sure that what he translates as coming from me is respect? And mm-hmm. he tr- you make sure that I am feeling heard, then it becomes so much easier. So when folks can focus on the unmet need, which again is an emotional thing inside of yourself, expressing mm-hmm. that to your partner uh, or, or figuring it out in terms of what your partner's unmet need is, mm-hmm. it, it transforms the relationship. It transforms everything. Mm, wow. Oh my God. Okay, there it is. There's your answer right there. <laughs> um, and so when did, how long does it take? Because that's, that's some vulnerability there that could lead to some, you know, some, 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 some fights, some, some bad, mm-hmm. uh, but if you're willing to get through that uncomfortable, the uncomfortability of, of what you just described then there is something really beautiful on the other side. Am I am I correct? Absolutely. You know, it can lead to fights, but it can also lead to some amazing fights. Explosive mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, if you're willing to go through, um, then you definitely will get to the other side. And so for many couples, you know, what we've seen is that um, the intimacy has increased, the frequency of sex has increased and um, the quality of it as well. So um, it's really important that just because you experience these roadblocks and you have these transparent conversations, these moments of vulnerability, those are really opportunities uh, for you to unveil who you are and to extend yourself to explore who your partner is. And when you do that, um, again, you grow. Mm -hmm. And we tell folks all the time, when you're going through this process, 
because unmet need is like an ongoing assignment for any couple that we're working with. Well, what was the unmet need here? Did you did you ask that question? Mm-hmm. Right, so we can get off of talking about what had happened. Mm-hmm. And and what we tell folks all the time is, let's be clear. You're going to be uncomfortable, irritated, agitated, and then feeling really warm and fuzzy and connected. And it's, you're going to feel like that up and down, off and on. Like it's not a process that will be like what we see in the movies where you know, your partner listens to everything he says and then wipes the tear away from your cheek and kisses you on the nose and the forehead. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Y'all are just, you know, mm-hmm. everything is just beautiful. You will have those spaces and you, and those spaces will increase over time. But that process, you know, in terms of how long does it take to get there, it is a rocky process because in the midst of it, you know, folks are fighting with themselves about how emotionally naked you feel and how, you know, it, it makes you have to look at your own self. I can't share with you any level of vulnerability or realness about where I am and how what you said made me feel I, and what I really need. I can't do that with you if I haven't done it with myself. I can't mm-hmm. admit that to you if I haven't fully admitted it to myself. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a very, very, very unsafe feeling. So mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good all the time, but it definitely leads to what my husband talked about, which is amazing connection if you, if you, you know, really travel the course. Mm-hmm. Wow. So a lot of times in relationships, when we get to the altar and we say, I do, or even through dating, a lot of that is, you know, there's the, all of the fluff in the beginning. She can do no wrong. He can do no wrong. And then you get seven to eight years into the relationship. Is this typically when you start to see this type of disconnect or, or is it early on in a relationship? I, 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 I I can't imagine a couple saying I do and knowing that these type of things are Mm -hmm. happening they are not, um, there's no, they've not worked through them or processed them. When do you typically start to see, uh, the, you know, people coming to you for help for situations like this? Is it further along in the marriage, early in the marriage or, or when? It's, it's really a mixture of, of all, you know, relationship dynamics and experiences really run the gamut. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if you really think about it, you say that you can't imagine. Yeah, a lot of people, they actually get married thinking that the marriage will resolve whatever issues mm-hmm. that they had prior to. And so they, they full, and with full knowledge, step into their marriage knowing that he cheated on me, um, knowing that she cheated on me, knowing that, um, you know, I have trust issues, knowing that you got poor money management skills. Or if they're sexually active, they, they ain't been having sex. They've been together yeah. for three years. They haven't been having sex for the last two, mm-hmm. and they just move forward. Yeah, they move forward because they think the marriage will fix their relationship the same way people think having a child will fix. The marriage. And so, again, we see that couples come to us at different points in their relationship. They could be newlyweds. Um, they could have been married for 20, 30 years. Um, and they'll still show up and want to engage us because they recognize that um, they're at a critical juncture in their relationship. And they need help. They need help. They recognize that there's some problems that they can't solve on their own. And they need some assistance and support to, to really get through. Mm-hmm. So what about when medical issues or uh, past traumas, past depression. How do you get to the, the to the root of those things? Because I I know that a lot of times you know people decide to get married because you know they feel like if I can just get married, find me a husband, I'm going I'm going to do better than whatever I just came out of. So if the person was sexually abused or if they had you know, some, some other form of abuse in their childhood, they have this fairy tale sense that they're going to go out here and do something totally different. And then they, 
are met with some of those, you know, same, the, the, what the nightmares of, of, of those traumas show up in, in their new relationship. So what do you do then? So one of the things that always comes up um, as we work with couples is, is the, the, the light gets, uh, you know, really, really bright around looking at what folks' individual issues are. And so mm-hmm. what we'll tell folks all the time is, particularly for those things that are really um, weighing down on the relationship and folks are not able to see it, you know, you really have to do your own individual work. And mm-hmm. folks um, oftentimes, I will say, are ready to come and do some couples work but they like they ain't really quite ready for that individual work. They'd be more willing to come with their partner to do this, but they're not really trying to to sit one on one on their own because that's a very scary thing um, to do, depending on what you're dealing with. But the reality is that um, you know when we're seeing folks, we uh, oftentimes get to a place where we have done what we call um, um, this process of discovery with couples. So there's a process of discovery in terms of what they're dealing with and what's going on in their relationship, and then there's a process of decision. And and some folks want to stay in a place of discovery, discovery, discovery. And we're like, look, you have discovered everything you need to know. All the mm-hmm. stuff is before you. You, mm-hmm. you know, you've put it all out. He's put it all out. We've t- shared some things with you. Now you have to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to really do the work that you need to do personally. And And there are folks who, and we'll tell them, so there's really not much more that we can do with you because this is going to be a barrier. If you're having, um, you know, perhaps medical issues, a lot of men, um, we'll have um, blocks around, um, you know, dealing um, with impotence um, or erectile dysfunction or what have you. It may be due to uh, medical issues. It may um, be performance anxiety. Those mm-hmm. things um, happen a lot more when we're later in life. And it's very common, but I will tell you that men have a really, really hard time being able to just look at that and to re- and step away from it in such a way that they can go and get some work and, and focus on that because it's just, it's so overwhelming for them to think about having to talk about that with someone um, mm-hmm. and to really work on that. Um, and especially if, if, you know, if they have a, a, a partner who is kind of not meaning to, but is saying, well, what's the problem? You know, what's going mm-hmm. on? You know, that makes it even more difficult. So we do tell folks you have to go and do that work. There, there are lots of women who have, uh, you know, histories of trauma. We do encourage folks to go and do that work individually. But essentially what what, what I'm really saying is that, you can only go as far, the relationship can only go as far as you are willing to go individually. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to do their part. And there's only so much that you all can do collectively um, that if, if you have not done your own individual work. So we can give you tips and tricks and, you know, communication outlines and all that kind of stuff. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, the underlying stuff that either um, releases you to do that work well and to do your couple stuff right or mm-hmm. keeps you held back from it is yourself. Right? Mm-hmm. It always comes back to yourself, and and unfortunately, there are folks who are just who are just not get willing to do that. Um, but we just tell folks, look, there. I mean, for me personally, there there have been things in my life that I'm like, you know, I know I need to work on that, but I'm not ready for that yet. I ain't trying to do that, and I I make have made the decision that I'll get back to that later. Mm-hmm. Right, wrong, and different. Everybody has a right to open up parts of their lives and go deeper um, at the time that they feel best able to do it. And, and clinically, it is not always best to do that, depending mm-hmm. on what you got going on, you know, mm-hmm. to open up certain parts, because it might be too overwhelming, and it, it would be ill-advised. So, so what we tell folks is be honest about where you are and where you're not, share mm-hmm. that with your partner. And now you and your partner have to, you know, make a decision based on that. But, but that's where folks just have to really do some soul searching to figure out how they're going to move forward. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, um, sexlessness can also be a, a result of, of stress. And you know, when, when we are dealing with stress and not able to really manage it, like in the situation that we're in right now, this pandemic, stress levels are high. Tip, people typically look for their habit, their their thing that helps them to release stress. And so stressless, I mean, sexlessness can also be um, as a result of, of, of abuse during stress. You know what I'm saying? So some people shop, some people, it, it, it can become, becomes mm-hmm. of an addiction and it can cause the other partner to, to not want it because now it is a, is it a, it's a stress fixer. So some people shop, some people drink, some people, um, you know, whatever it is that you do, that, that, that thing, uh, sex can also become one of those things. How do we, how do we talk about, you know, the real reason that you want to have sex is not that you want to be intimate with me. You're trying to get the, the day's work off of you. You know what I'm saying? What, what do you do in those mm-hmm. kinds? cases am i am i right or am i close i'm just talking you know mm-hmm. yeah no i mean you're absolutely right you know people use sex um sometimes people see sex as a panacea which it really isn't um mm-hmm. it can actually exacerbate problems if you're not doing it right and if you don't have the when i say right i mean the right mental and emotional mindset um or, yeah. or engagement when you're going into it and so um it's not a panacea for sure and so yeah stress um anxiety depression um, these are all very real experiences that people are having during this time period, and it's impacting people's sex life. Um, mm-hmm. And those different experiences, mental and emotional, are actually triggering experiences that lead to, um, like you mentioned, people engaging in behaviors that may lead their partner to not want to um, engage with them sexually. So mm-hmm. if you've had issues with alcohol, and during this time period of heightened stress, um, you decide to consume more alcohol, then that may not be attractive to your partner. Um, you know, you may become more physically abusive or verbally abusive mm-hmm. um, if you're consuming alcohol. And so, again, um, that does not engender some sense of connection in the relationship. So it's all about how do, we, how do we manage our stress responses during this time period. Some people may gravitate towards sex to get the release and mm-hmm. to um, attempt to manage the stress. Um, mm-hmm. But other people may decide to isolate themselves and, and believe that, you know, I'm going to hunker down and, and really be by myself during this time period because that's the best way and that's the only way that I know how to get through based off of my own historical reference point. Like, this is what I did when I felt overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I went to myself. I secluded myself. Um, mm-hmm. I read my books. I did my journaling. Um, I don't want you to touch me. I don't want you to look at me. I'm going to cook the dinner. Um, I'm going to get, you know, in the bed with you, but I don't want to have sex with you because I'm just trying to get through. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, again, I'm resorting to what I know to have worked for me um, when I was growing up, when I was a child, when I was a young adult, that worked for me to get through stressful times. So I'm doing it now in our relationship, um, again, which can be and oftentimes is problematic because you're in a relationship with somebody who's supposed to help you grow. And mm-hmm. so you have a companion, you have a partner who you have the opportunity to come outside of your comfort zone and extend yourself and get that emotional nutrition or, or nourishment um, so that you can actually get through this stressful time period. So instead of resorting to what feels familiar and looks familiar to you, which is self-isolation, mm-hmm. how about you extend yourself and explore some more vulnerability to connect mm-hmm. with your partner and try to increase your connection so that you all can get through stress, anxiety, and depression together? 
And like you said earlier, letting when you arrive at that and when you know that you have that, that person, regardless of what you're going through, they understand that you understand and they feel respected and they feel heard in the mm-hmm. situation. And so when that happens, then if they're going through something and, and you know, because, you know, you've got this, this, um, uh, this deep connection established in the relationship, then, you know, you can be so connected in, in that place. And that's really, I think, where, where, where the concept of two becoming one can mean so mm-hmm. much is when that person is going through that, then you can find other ways to be a part of what that person is experiencing. Am I right? Absolutely. My wife and I, I mean, during this time period, there's been a number of days where either I have been just out of it or she's mm-hmm. just been out of it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'll intentionally check in with her. I'm just based off of my observations, like, you know, what's going on today? Like, how are you feeling? And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I noticed that you may be in a slight lower mood. Your energy is kind of low. Um, you know, it's not really that much engagement, kind of off to yourself. And I'm not taking anything personally mm-hmm. um, because I recognize that, that, again, during this time period of heightened stress, anxiety yeah. and depression, that it's difficult and it's hard. And, and um, you know, we need support to get through it. And so I'm coming to her compassionately. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to be clear about what's going on and how I can be of support. So it does offer an opportunity, um, but it's really important that you um, compassionately approach your partner, your spouse, your man or your woman with um, with respect and in a supportive way. I, I, I agree with you. I just think that, you know, not just in this country, but everywhere, compassion and empathy and all of these things have just we're just like at an all time low. You just, you know, and, and if it's not happening around you, then it's, it's, it mm-hmm. can be difficult to try to create that or have that at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, a high priority in your relationship, but it's definitely the cure. You can't have love. You can't have intimacy. If you don't have compassion and empathy, uh, I just, I don't care what you're trying to do. Am I right? <laughs> that is so right. And there's a a conversation that I had with some, some folks and, and, and I'm taking my questions from, from people my age in their forties and their fifties who are, you know, wildly in love with, with their partners, but they have questions about different things that's going on. And someone brought up the issue of how pornography has caused them to not be able to be intimate with their partner. So I'd like for us to come back continue the conversation about sex. This time, let's open it up to some other things that might be going on. When you get a happy couple on a podcast that can have some open conversations, I'd like for there to be more that people can glean from. So I'd like to go into some of these other areas, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. (laughs) Wow. So this is going to wrap up my conversation today and we're talking about relationships we're talking about sexless relationships in this particular episode stay tuned we have a part two coming up you're going to be hearing from yana and aise maya and they are wonderful therapists they're going to be sharing more information with us stay tuned i'm monique walker your podcast host thank you so much for joining the brush Keep up with The Brush on Instagram and Facebook at The Brush Lounge. Also, check out The Brush Lounge community at www.thebrushlounge.com.